This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West will be with us. So interesting always, but also as chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, he is deserving of an apology, especially Governor Abbott, because the Neanderthal thinking comment that Joe Biden made, the dismissive attitude Dr. Fauci and the reckless, uh, uh, the reckless comments Dr. Fauci made about Texas, they're down to zero deaths. The cases are plummeting faster, I think, than any state in the union. He was right. As we now are looking at a maskless society, he'll be with us shortly. Uh, I also want to get his take on Governor Matthew McConaughey, really? And Senator Steve Daines, a member of the Senate Finance and Banking Energy Committee. I'm just outraged about the president's decision, it seems, to allow the Nordstrom 2 pipeline to proceed. Yeah, this guy likes all pipelines except the ones that belong in our country. You know what it's coming from? Russia. You know where it's going to? Our allies in Western Europe. Why would you get on the crack pipe of Russia and then ask us to watch your back militarily? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. You can never be woke enough. That's the problem. It keeps going. It keeps going further and further and further down the line. And if you get to the point where you capitulate, where you agree to all these demands, it will eventually get to straight white men are not allowed to talk. And Joe Rogan will be able to talk. $100 million Spotify deal. He has been forced to take down some of his interviews in the past, though. He has woke up, woke up tired of cancel culture and so-called enlightened woke America. Does it bother you? Two famous names, Dave Chappelle included, say enough is enough. Question, will it be enough? And when will others join in? Number two. It's Vladimir Putin maintaining strategic leverage in Europe. The United States deciding that it's more important to keep the Germans happy and to preserve that relationship with Germany than it is to do everything in their power to stop the completion of this pipeline. Jonathan Swan of Axios, Clueless Joe, going green and leaving our nation out of energy while paving the way for a pipeline to roll from Russia to our allies in the West. How is making NATO... Uh, how is it? How is making NATO nation Russian dependent in our interest? Number one. Before the CDC made the recommendation change, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. But being a fully vaccinated person, the chances of my getting infected is extremely low. And that's the reason why in indoor settings now, I feel comfortable about not wearing a mask. Do you believe this guy? Do you believe him? He's justifying not telling us the truth again as if it would please us. It is all theater. Dr. Fauci admits his pandemic messaging was not about telling the truth, but about sending messages. Yes, and often the wrong message, Dr. Fauci. His medical messaging is keeping Americans confused and from getting up and getting on with their lives and keeping our kids in masks for no reason. Why is he not making a statement right now? The chance of a kid getting this 
are negligible, and the downside after teaming with uh, talking with psychiatrists is too great. Take the masks off, and if you leave them on, you're going against my authority. But no, Phil Rizzuto continues to say stuff on just to manipulate us, which further erodes any confidence any clear-thinking person has in him. So uh, Anthony Fauci was old theater. Remember when Senator Rand Paul and Anthony Fauci went at it, and Rand Paul was accused of using QAnon theories and and axioms to that he was accused of spreading when he doesn't even know what QAnon is. Remember this. Cut two. You're telling everybody to wear a mask, whether they've had an infection or a vaccine. What I'm saying is they have immunity, and everybody agrees they have immunity. What studies do you have that people that have had the vaccine or have had the infection are spreading the infection? If we're not spreading the infection, isn't it just theater? No, it's not. the vaccine, and you're wearing two masks. Isn't that theater? No, that's not. Here we go again with the theater. Okay. It is theater. It was theater. You said it was theater. You want to hear? This was he said on ABC Good Morning America uh, yesterday. Cut one. Before the CDC made the recommendation change, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. But being a fully vaccinated person, the chances of my getting infected in an indoor setting is extremely low. And that's the reason why in indoor settings now, I feel comfortable about not wearing a mask. You have to be honest with people. I haven't taken a medical course that I can remember. I've never been a part of a, a, I've never been part of a national medical policy. But to me, it has to start with trust and honesty. And from the times when he told us not to wear a mask and then later he told us why well, I only said that because we didn't have enough. When you know we could have made them out of bandanas, even you're lying to cover how wrong you were or you're just stupid, which I don't think a guy who's 80 years old who is at that level in in his profession is stupid. You talk about more hypocrisy and being flat out wrong. Here is President Biden. When word came out that Texas was dropping all restrictions, cut for it. I think it's a big mistake. Look, I hope everybody's realized by now. These masks make a difference. We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we're able to get vaccines in people's arms. The last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. So three straight days of zero deaths or and few cases and Texas standing up, their economy roaring the best it can through this re- pandemic recovery. Here's Governor Greg Abbott yesterday. Cut three. We will never declare a victory. However, it is interesting. I still have not yet received a phone call or a, an apology uh, from the president uh, for his mischaracterization uh, of my actions. Some people said that I had issued a death warrant. Uh, and here's the difference. Uh, the, the people on the Democrat side, they want to push narratives, whereas what I was looking at was both math and science. People need to start uh, dispensing with these narratives, start looking at the facts, and it shows that not only did we open up 100 percent, but we also removed the mask mandate, and all of these numbers improved after we opened up and right. after we removed the mask mandate. Because getting outside mattered. What did he tell us to do? Stay off Stay inside. Go go order Uber Eats. Have your food delivered. You better get off the beach. When Florida let people on the beach, they went crazy. When they allowed it, uh, they sit there and we had overhead shots and drones flying over. We couldn't believe it. People on the beach. Turns out it was the best thing possible, but they never admit when they're wrong. They just come on and make new rules and then announce we're free. 
Where else are they wrong with schools? Where else are they wrong? Making kids wear masks, making them get vaccinated. What they did is right. They prioritize, prioritize in most states' teachers. They're all vaccinated. They need to be vaccinated. The ones that are so immunocompromised, they shouldn't be in school. There are, there are accommodations made. So I love this. Randy Weingartner was on C-SPAN, the head of the teachers' union, and she loved these softball interviews, except for when Martha sits down with her and asks direct questions, and she has no answers. And then they open up the phones on C-SPAN. And never do I really repeat phone calls on our show from other shows, but you're going to love this. Cut five. They asked us for language, and we gave them language when they asked us for it. But if you look at the public record, I was saying these things publicly, these kinds of things. So there's nothing nefarious about doing these kind, this kind of work. And frankly, you know, we have said to the CDC, everyone should have, parents should be, um, they should be communicating with parents. They should be communicating with educators. They have to communicate with those who actually are impacted by their policies. We're not going to have time to, to get to the phone calls. That's what That would be next. I don't want to take too much time away from Alan West. But what it is is phone calls from around the country, people blasting them, saying there's no science to say we kids shouldn't be in school, number one. Number two, when they get to school, they got to stay six feet away. It's now three feet. And number three, that they're wearing masks at all. And I want you to hear from this fourth grader who went in front of his school board and then joined me this morning and Tucker last night to talk about it from the child's perspective. Old enough to understand what's going on, but not so old that you're cynical and expect so little of adults like I have learned to do. His name is John Provenzano, Provenzano, John Provenzano, and this is his address May 12th to his Board of Education. Now, they basically had to shut his dad down and kick him out. But John said this, and he was reading it, but man, you know he felt it. Cut 10. Teachers take their masks off while they're... Yell, while they yell at us kids and that we need to pull ours up, I asked my mom if there is a word for this, and she said there is. Hypocrisy. I know my teacher has asthma and everything, but I understand why it's hard for her to wear a mask, and I think she should have that choice. But I should, too. I have allergies, and I feel really anxious with my face covered. But I'm not allowed a mask break like her. All this seems unfair, and it doesn't make sense. Join the club. John, adults have let you down, not your parents, but your schools. And you speak for fourth graders around the country and third graders, second graders, first graders, kindergartners. And seniors are basically saying, the heck with this. You blew up my junior year and now you destroyed my senior year. But they're looking to move on and form relationships and they can do it out of school and they got cars. But other kids, their interaction is school and they weren't able to get it. Those who went to school were so limited. They couldn't use lockers. They have to have plexiglass. They got to wear masks, get yelled at for not wearing masks. They got mass police in the halls. They uh, intentionally ruined school because they wouldn't listen to the science. Coming up next, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. And then I'm going to talk to Senator Steve Daines about uh, a little bit about that, uh, the pipeline that Russia gets to use and the ones we don't get to make. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire. 
The Brian Kilmeade Show, bringing you breaking news first. Joining us now is uh, John Roberts, uh, right from uh, the White House. Brian, yeah. I'm sorry. Can I put you on hold for a second? I'm sorry. I've got a, an official I need to talk to right now. You don't want to miss a minute. Can you come back to me in 90 seconds? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll be the first to hear it. Hear it first with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I would say that we are not following the same tactics of the prior administration. Uh, we, uh, the president has reinstated humanitarian assistance uh, and security assistance to the Palestinians. That's something that was stopped back in 2018 and we felt was a, not a constructive action by the prior administration. Aside from putting forward a peace proposal that was dead on arrival, we don't think they did anything constructive, really, to bring an end to the long-standing conflict in the Middle East. Unbelievable that Jen Psaki is blaming the previous administration when they had four years without any direct fighting between Hamas and Israel. Instead of saying the Abraham Accords helped people realize that Palestinians were not a, a uh, uh, they were not there for legitimate reasons. They don't want peace. They want Israel to not exist. Jen Psaki got away with that. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West will not let her. Chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, senior fellow at the Media Research Center. Colonel, your thoughts on her statement? I think her statement shows the utter delusion and derangement that you have from the Biden administration and from the progressive socialist left overall. We've gone back to the Obama era policies. And when you have Susan Rice, who was the former national security advisor as the domestic policy advisor for Joe Biden, you're going to see a repeat of this. You're absolutely right. What brought uh, those Arab nations to the table for the Abraham Accords? How did we see that peace over there? It was because we had a position of strength. When everyone was saying that if we moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, there would be all kind of terrorist attacks, blood in the streets, there was nothing. Absolutely nothing happened. But as soon as Joe Biden gets in there, what does Hamas start to do? A designated terrorist organization? They go right back to fire missiles and rockets at Israel. The exact same thing that happened when Barack Obama was president and Israel had to launch Operation Cast Lead. 
I have not really had a problem with the fact that President Biden's been kind of quiet. Now, word is he's getting a little tough behind the scenes, but he's kept quiet. But I am shocked what happened to the Democratic Party because Debbie Dingle with a big uh, is a Muslim population over in, Mich- in Michigan, mm-hmm. AOC, Tlaib berating the president on the tarmac once he lands in Michigan, telling him you got to go to bat for the Palestinians and call up the call up the Israelis, and then he praises her like a puppy afterwards. Then you have uh, then you have uh, Corey Bush, another new freshman member of Congress, all coming out for the Palestinians. Even Schumer Menendez, normally staunch Israeli supporters, realize the party has moved. Is there anything she, they like about this country? They don't like the nation, how it was founded, and they don't even like the allies who have been loyal to us. Well, what this shows, Brian, is that there is a collusion between the progressive socialist left that's taken over the Democrat Party and Islamic jihadists. And when you talk about Cori Bush, the congresswoman from St. Louis, just remember, she's the person that led violent uh, raids and rallies there in St. Louis. She was the one that was in charge of the mob that uh, went against Pat and Mark McCloskey there at their home in St. Louis. So what would you expect uh, from a person that you know embraces violence? So, you know, Hamas, again, is a designated terrorist organization. Why would anyone stand and align themselves with a designated terrorist organization? But this is the message that is coming from this administration and from this Democrat Party. And that's why Iran is emboldened when they hear that they're going to get millions of dollars coming back to them by way of the nuclear agreement. That's why Hamas, Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, Al-Quds, Al-Aqsa, Martyrs Brigade, all of these Islamic terrorist organizations are emboldened. That's why we saw the Taliban just a couple of weeks ago kill 68 little uh, Afghan girls who are just trying to go to school because they're emboldened because they know weakness uh, and and, uh, fecklessness has once again returned to the Oval Office. Michael Warren, former ambassador to the U.S. from Israel, said that he thinks that Biden's big picture is, hey, I kept quiet when you were bombing uh, Hamas. Now keep quiet while we cut a new deal with Iran. Do you think this could be a quid pro quo? Oh, without a doubt, it, it is there. I mean, you know, the number one sponsor of Islamic terrorism in the world is Iran. And so I think that this is one of these backdoor things where we're going to be quiet. We'll, you know, allow uh, Iran to continue to support them. We'll try to reinstate the uh, the nuclear agreement. And Iran has said, okay, we got it. And Iran gave the green light to Hamas and all these others to say, go ahead and do this because uh, I think we have a friendly administration. And, and remember, this goes back to John Kerry, who has been – you know, talking and sharing details and information with the foreign minister of Iran about Israel. So th- this Democrat Party is, is out of touch. This Democrat Party is very dangerous for the foreign policy and the national security of the United States of America. Uh, so a couple of things. I mean, your governor looks great. He stood up uh, to the president in March and said, I'm taking off all restrictions. They said it's Neanderthal thinking. And now you had zero deaths on Monday. The numbers are uh, so, thankfully so down. And Texas is back up. Do you believe that when uh, when celebrities like Matthew McConaughey, who wrote a great book, seems like a great guy, kind enough to do this show, do you believe that a, a guy like him would be a good next governor? Uh, this is not time for a popularity contest, nor time for someone that has been playing make-believe for most of their lives. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. When you look at what is going on in Texas, especially with the border crisis that we're facing, we need to have someone that is very serious, someone that has, you know, actually been in a leadership role and not acted in a leadership role to step in here and be the next leader in in Texas. Uh, I'm glad to see that we have turned the corner on COVID here, but there are a lot of things that uh, did not go well. I mean, we lost 10,000 small businesses. Uh, We had a lot of effects on our kids, a lot of suicides uh, increased, but at least we're turning the corner. But now we've got to stand up to this administration with their open borders policy. We have to stand up to them with their implementation of the Green New Deal, which is having an adverse effect on our oil and natural gas industry. Yeah, I would think so. I would, do you think Gov- Do you think President Biden will call up Governor Abbott and apologize? Uh, absolutely not, because uh, Joe Biden is just a, a puppet and a tool for the left. I thought that he would say, hey, listen, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. He told us that in the beginning, didn't he? Colonel Allen West. Yeah, he did, but... Yeah, I guess we have, yeah, have nothing to go by there. Chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, thanks so much, Colonel. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. You got it. Uh, meanwhile, Senator Steve Daines next. Brian Kilmeade Show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's Vladimir Putin basically maintaining strategic leverage in Europe. It's a direct pipeline between Russia and Germany. It cuts out Ukraine, completely uh, harming the Ukrainians, and they're very worried about this. And really, what, what this decision, which they're planned, amounts to is the United States deciding that it's more important to keep the Germans happy and to preserve that relationship with Germany than it is to do everything in their power to stop the completion of this pipeline. Let me just tell you, not just Germany, Jonathan Swan, Russia. You want to get that summit together? Instead of showing you toughness, show your weakness. Allow that crack pipe, that oil gas crack pipe, to go from Russia into Western Europe, which is exactly what President Trump wanted to stop. He said, this is crazy. We're keeping troops there. We have NATO just to fight against Russia, and now you're creating a addiction that Russia is responsible for satisfying. Senator Steve Daines joins us now, member of the Senate Finance and Banking and Energy Committees. Senator, this is outrageous. Brian, you can't make this up. I mean, I live in Montana where President Biden canceled the Keystone XL pipeline, which would help our country create jobs, create tax revenues, its infrastructure that's funded by the private sector. He kills the Keystone pipeline, and he's supporting Russian pipelines. Brian, you can't make this up. This is is really serious because what he is doing here, he's sending a message. He's sending a message to the Europeans and to the Russians saying we're going to continue to create dependencies on Russia for energy. At the same time, America now is unilaterally starting to disarm in terms of our make American energy great again strategy that President Trump pushed forward to create global leadership and energy and energy dominance for America. And now we're retreating. And guess what happens? It creates a vacuum. That's a vacuum for the Russians, the Iranians, 
basically adversaries of our nation to fill and to strengthen. It makes no sense. You have an agenda. And instead of looking at what works for America, you look at what works for your party. Here's Joe Biden pretending as if what he's saying is good news. Cut 15. When I think of the climate crisis, beyond its devastation of lives and livelihoods and health of our very planet, I think jobs. I think jobs when I think climate change. Good-paying union jobs. I think about the UAW workers here today. I wanted to make sure that the world could see that there was a consensus that we are at an inflection point in our history. And almost every major leader in the world spoke to it. So do you think that China is worried about this because China might be ahead of us a little in the extracarriages? Or do you think they might be rejoicing because they don't have oil and gas? <laughs> they are giving a standing ovation to President Biden. When they hear Biden say those things, they raise to their feet and they cheer. You know, I, hearing that clip, Brian, you know what? I think about jobs, too, as it relates to President Biden's strategy, the jobs he's killing. Out in Montana, they issued pink slips to many, many workers. These are some of the highest paying jobs we have in eastern Montana regarding the Keystone Pipeline. They've got full benefits. These are families dependent on these jobs. These are school districts dependent on these tax revenues. These are hospitals dependent on, on good health care insurance so they can stay afloat in places in rural America that are having a hard time making ends meet. So yeah, I think about jobs too, and I think about the jobs that Biden has killed when he stopped the Keystone XL pipeline. Data shows from 2019 that China is responsible for roughly 90% of the processing for the world's rare earth needed for all this electric stuff. Uh, 40% for copper, 35% for nickel, 60% for cobalt, 60% for lithium. Each will be seen as huge spikes in demand if the world wants to reach its goals outlined, outlined by President Biden. And guess who else has rare earth uh, materials? Afghanistan. And guess who's already expressed interest in getting in there? China. So we're going to China's uh, – uh, this is a China's strength. And they're leaving one of China's weaknesses. They have to go out and get oil, oil because they have none. So here's what's, what's going to happen, Brian. If we don't stop this nonsense coming out of President Biden and his administration, what, what he is creating is really another OPEC-like dependency that we used to have back in the 1970s with oil, back when we were dependent on the Middle East for oil. With these rare earths, these critical minerals, given that China has dominance in those areas, and by the way, we have some of those rare earths right here in America, but the radical environmental groups don't want us to mine them. They're stopping us. We've got a copper mine up in Montana that we've been battling for 20 years on the permitting, and so we're going to create this dependency on China. Because they're going to dominate the world with these rare earths, these critical minerals. That's a very dangerous place for America to be. There's no question. And I'm wondering if do you guys, outside Senator Steve Daines, uh, is, do you guys have a uniform response that doesn't make it seem like just pure rhetoric? That this is the Nordstrom combined with the this push for electric and then the printing of money to the tune of $2.3 trillion uh, for uh, for these uh, green energy initiatives and $4 trillion overall, is there a plan to stop this rather than just bloviate about this? 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I, Brian, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm growing increasingly optimistic that we are going to stop this. You know, what happened in this massive lurch to the left that we've seen from this administration over the course of the, the first four months, you know, the, the blowback has now started. The American people are seeing what they got in November of 2020. He is a threat to the future of this country, whether it's destabilization of our economy and the inflationary threats and the printing money and the massive multi-trillion dollar packages that the, the liberals want to, uh, to launch across our country creating inflation, whether it is starting to decrease American energy production. I mean, on, on every front, Brian, we are seeing attacks on our great American way of life. And I am, I am increasingly confident that when 2022 comes around, we are going to see a significant wave to throw these liberals, socialists out of power. But I'll tell you, um, it, it's, it's one thing to see campaign rhetoric last year. Now we're seeing the policies. Now we're seeing the effects. You know, there's two and a half million miles of pipelines in this country. Why would Biden kill the Keystone XL pipeline? And guess what? Pipelines do matter. We saw what happened here on the East Coast where you've got gas stations running out of gasoline as related of, of, of cyber attacks. And, and lastly, Brian, look at foreign policy. Look what's going on in Israel right now. This is a direct result of President Biden basically uh, allowing Iran by throwing in more cash, giving them more confidence. Hamas and Hezbollah are both Iranian terror groups. What's going on in Israel is a result of the foreign policy coming out of this Biden administration. Contrast that to where Trump was with the Abraham Accords, breakthroughs in peace in the Middle East, and right now – Israel is on fire because of uh, of the support that the Biden administration has given to Iran. Well, listen, they have a totally different take on that. In fact, Jen Psaki came out and said uh, President Trump didn't do anything on this yesterday. And she said, uh, here's what she said. Cut 25. I would say that we are not following the same tactics of the prior administration. Uh, we, uh, The president has reinstated humanitarian assistance uh, and security assistance to the Palestinians. That's something that was stopped back in 2018, and we felt was uh, not a constructive action by the prior administration. Yeah, they stopped it. Why? Because they refused to come to the table. Uh, they continued with their terrorist activities. So he said, listen, I'm going to go around you. I'm going to go to the other powers in the region, the UAE, Oman, Bahrain, Sudan, and I'm going to see it. And they already had uh, Jordan and Egypt. They're going to go and recognize and set up trade relations and travel with Israel. And they marginalized them. But by empowering Iran, you changed everything. I'll tell you what. Um, Rob O'Neill is a Navy SEAL uh, from Montana. He is the SEAL that killed Osama bin Laden. He posted a tweet yesterday that sums it up. He said, if, if they threw the weapons of the Palestinians into the ocean tomorrow, there would be peace in Israel. If they threw Israel's weapons in the ocean, there would be genocide. That's the truth. That's the bottom line. And that's what's going on right now with, with these uh, missiles being launched from not only Gaza, but sadly now we're starting to see rockets coming in from, from Lebanon with Hezbollah. I think the president, this stuff is just moving too quick for him. I read Friday's story about the New York Times, talked to 12 former and current advisors, and they say that he likes to just have a torturous debate before he makes any type of decision, and he wants to know everything. And if you talk too quick and if you use acronyms, he blasts you. This is what Senator Lindsey Graham, who knows him well, says. Cut 22. We've done everything but take an ad out in the paper, come to America. We're stopping deportations. 
They're basically put ice out of business. Joe Biden's overwhelmed by the job of being president. The left has lost its mind. There's more fentanyl across the border this time in 2021 and all of 2020. Israel is under the gun. 3,500 rockets. Where is it coming from? Iran. To the Biden administration, you would be insane to start negotiating with Iran as long as they're still the largest state sponsor of terrorism. So I am very worried about our national security. I'm very worried about our border here at home. Do you echo some of those sentiments? Lindsey said it very, very well. I can't say any better. Lindsey just laid it out there. He's exactly right. I mean, what, what, in one of the underreported stories, Brian, that's still not getting a lot of attention, what's going on the southern border? I mean, th- th- this is completely out of control. Lindsey pointed out again yesterday with his comments. You know, I was down there with Ted Cruz, and the, the 18 Republican senators went down in March. Uh, we're going to see a all-time record high illegal crossings this year in the southern border. Nothing is slowing down. It's wide open, and as Lindsay mentioned, it's not just the illegals coming across. It is the flood of Mexican meth, fentanyl, heroin. That is destroying communities and families across our country. And I'll tell you, when we were down there, Brian, the Border Patrol, every one of the agents we spoke to, we spent hours with them, they said walls work. When you put walls up, they see a 60 to 90 percent reduction in illegal crossings. Brian, what a contrast to what we had under President Trump and his policies that were working, securing the southern border, economic growth, (laughs) uh, peace in the Middle East, American energy dominance, low energy prices, inflation under control. Look what we got now. It didn't take long for these liberals to go down their path here, frankly, destroying this country. We've got to stop them. Real quick, two quick questions. Number one, everything you said, but you're going to you talking to us from Montana that also elected John Tester. Do you think people who voted uh, for Joe Biden or the independents that picked uh, decide, depending on the candidate are seeing what you're seeing? I do. And uh, we're watching some of the numbers, not only in Montana, but across this country. Uh, they're seeing it in, in, in the, you know, they're, they're feeling it. They're seeing it in their pocketbooks. And at the end of the day, um, the, these policies are having profound consequences. And you read the paper. The, the Middle East, the southern border, the economy, energy prices, inflation, uh, yeah, they're, they're seeing it. And that's why, Brian, uh, we've got a lot of work to do, but I'm cautiously optimistic now. We're going to be able to stop. Right. We're going to be able to stop a lot of the nonsense that's coming from uh, Pelosi and Schumer. Because remember in the Senate, they, there's 50, 50 Democrats or those who cox the Democrats, 50. It's hard to get to 50 because everybody from you know, Bernie Sanders to Joe Manchin. And, uh, and I, I think we're going to be slowing them down. But you're going to see, I believe, a significant wave election coming up in 2022. The, the, I think the chess pieces are already in place. Yeah, I just think when it comes to schools and when it comes to energy, when it comes to jobs, you don't need a snappy 30-second ad. People will decide at their own kitchen table. And lastly, Senator, are you for or against this January 6th commission? I think this commission will get politicized. I don't think we need it. Uh, there's going to be another report coming out uh, very soon in the next couple of weeks from the Homeland Security Committee that basically will do the work that this commission – remember, this is a commission led by Pelosi and Schumer. Do you think that's going to be an objective, fair, and balanced commission? 
Absolutely not. It will politicize it. They'll, they'll just relitigate the Trump impeachment trial. That's what they want to do. And uh, it's sad because we do need to get to the bottom of what happened in terms of ensuring we keep the Capitol secure. But the Homeland Security Com uh, Committee is taking care of that. So there's going to be, I think, a very objective, nonpartisan report. We do not need this commission. Democrats, that's all they want to talk about. Trump and this commission, they don't want to talk about what's happening. Uh, Senator Steve Daines, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Good to be with you. You got it. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. This is Brian Kilmeade show. When you come, when you come back, uh, we will be taking your calls. This is don't move. Newsmakers and newsbreakers hear it first only on the Brian Kilmeade show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. You can be cooking meth and sleeping with hookers. Yeah. But as long as apparently you didn't vote for Trump. So it's, you know, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone a bit in the, with, with the whole concept of it. Because, you know, an example is on Twitter, I had many celebrities followed me. And now I think like three follow me. They actually took you off the list? They yeah. unfollowed you? Oh, yeah. And I am going, I'm the same person. You know, I'm the girl who voted for Obama twice. And I'm like, oh, so you liked me when I voted for Obama and now you're this? And it sort of had, it's made me have to rethink weirdly my whole friendships. Yeah, and that is uh, Kirstie Alley of Cheers. And she had her own series for a while. And she's not necessarily on the A-list, but she does speak her mind. And she did vote for Trump. And she's gotten blasted from uh, pillar to pillar. And she just talks about how ridiculous it is. And to her credit, I guess she's not at the point where she's dying to get back in. And this whole woke thing needs that. You need people to speak up and stand and, 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 and stand up, whether you're trying to cancel John Wayne or Abraham Lincoln or the next comedian that comes down the pike. People have to stand up and speak out. And she's doing that. She'll be on with Tucker today. It's going to be at 4 o'clock. It's going to be available on Fox Nation, which you're watching us on. But she's not the only one. She's just the latest. Joe Rogan, the number one podcaster in the world, got $100 million to go to Spotify. He noted this, cut 31. You can never be woke enough. That's the problem. It keeps going. It keeps right. going further and further and further down the line. And if you get to the point where you capitulate, where you agree to all these demands, it will eventually get to straight white men are not allowed to talk. Right. Because it's your privilege to express yourself when other people of color have been silenced throughout history. We just got to be nice to each other, man. And th there's a lot of people that are taking advantage of this weirdness in our culture. And then that becomes their thing. Their thing is calling people out for their privilege, calling people out for their position. You know, it's uh, crazy times. Crazy times. And people say, well, Joe Rogan's untouchable. He's speaking out. He got $100 million. Yeah, but they've already pulled down four or five of his episodes. He's gotten blasted left and right. He's uncancelable. But what if all the sponsors leave? Why aren't there sponsor pressure on Nike and HMM who are allowing their products to be built from the Uyghurs who are being held against their will in the most oppressive conditions possible? Why aren't they feeling any backlash for doing that? Instead, they're worried about upsetting, you guessed it, China. Why isn't there blowback against Apple, who takes down apps that people communicate with who are pro-democratic pro forces inside China? Why? The government said, if you want to build your products here and you want us to buy them 
here and we are your second best customer, then you'll do these things and they do it. Why isn't there blowback against that? Instead, we see people protesting against America, its founding. We see people protesting against America's allies like Israel, pro-Palestinian. When you ask people why, well, because the, the Israelis have better stuff are more powerful. Well, then if you know somebody's more powerful, don't send 15,000 rockets into their country. They're going to hit you back, and they're going to try to kill you. And when you live and work with civilians, they're sadly going to be collateral damage. But it's not Israel's fault when they defend themselves. And I hope people sober up on that. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening to you. We're coming to you from New York, newly open. Heard around the country, heard around the world. Senator Joe Lieberman lives here. He'll be with us shortly, but not in studio. Soon he'll be back in studio. And then Lee Bryce, the hottest country music star out there, up for Song of the Year. He also has gotten eight straight number one hits. I was able to spend a day with him. That's why I was forced. Actually, I did miss the show on Friday. I was able to come to us from our great affiliate in Panama City, uh, but I missed TV. Because I spent two days with uh, Lee Bryce. I was able to do the show, fly down to Panama Beach, and then uh, do his bonfire where he writes a lot of his music in years past. The next day he had a big dedication at this Ohana school, which does some really innovative things from K through 12. And uh, he was able to dedicate a recording studio to them. You're going to hear stuff that wasn't on television, just the uncut version. So you're going to love hearing from a guy that used to play football for Clemson. Who ends up being a music store. Uh, so let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. You can never be woke enough. That's the problem. It keeps going. It keeps right. going further and further and further down the line. And if you get that to the point where you capitulate, where you agree to all these demands, it will eventually get to straight white men are not allowed to talk. Yeah, wake up, woke up. Tired of cancel culture and the so-called enlightened woke America? Two famous names speak up, joining Dave Chappelle and a few others saying enough is enough. Is that where you're at now? Number two. It's Vladimir Putin maintaining strategic leverage in Europe. The United States deciding that it's more important to keep the Germans happy and to preserve that relationship with Germany than it is to do everything in their power to stop the completion of this pipeline. Why do we care about the Germans? Where are they going to go? Clueless Joe. Going green and leaving our nation out of energy while paving the way for a pipeline to roll from Russia to our allies in Western Europe. How is that making NATO, our NATO nation, safer? Why are we defending them if they're going to get energy from Russia and be more dependent on Russia? Number one. Before the CDC made the recommendation change, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. But being a fully vaccinated person, the chances of my getting infected is extremely low. And that's the reason why in indoor settings now, I feel comfortable about not wearing a mask. Is this guy unbelievable? It's all theater. Dr. Fauci admits his pandemic messaging was not about telling us the truth, 
but about sending messages. Yes, and often the wrong message. His medical messaging philosophy is keeping America confused and from getting on with their lives. Now that we have some great news, some don't want to accept it. And what makes it worse, they're keeping our kids in masks from K through 12 for no reason. Let's bring in uh, Senator Joe Lieberman. Uh, he is not a senator any longer out of Connecticut, uh, co-chair of the Bipartisan Commission on Biodefense and chairman of the United Against uh, the Nuclear Iran. Senator, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Brian. Good to be with you. Good morning. Are you in New York? I am in New York. Have, have you been vaccinated? Uh, double vaccinated and really happy about it. Are I you know, taking the mask off? Are you living your life, Senator? Yeah, I tell you, I began to feel uh, really uh, constrained by that mask. So uh, it's, you know, free at last. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, I try to follow the science. I mean, what's, what seemed evident to me is, as we went on is that at the beginning, certainly, uh, a lot of the public health experts were being cautious because, honestly, they really didn't know. But as this went on, um, we're, we, we now know more in all the studies being done of people who've had the vaccines show really remarkable results, both in terms of being uh, protected from getting it, but uh, the virus, but also uh, giving it to people. So, yeah, the mask is off. I'm, the, I'm, a, I'm a happy guy. So, so, Senator, how does it make sense for the Speaker of the House to make the men and women fully vaccinated and their staffs fully vaccinated wear masks, being that we're looking at them all the time. There's our alleged leaders that have been elected to lead. What kind of message is that? Yeah, I didn't follow that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on there. I mean, I, you know, we're, we're in New York, so now uh, the governor and I guess the mayor uh, have basically said, uh, everything can open up. I mean, you can go inside restaurants, for instance. The restaurants still have to have barriers, but you can go inside without a mask, assuming you've been uh, vaccinated. And uh, I think the the odds of people with uh, who are vaccinated, which I assume everybody in the houses of transmit House of Representatives transmitting to one another, are very small. But look, <laughs> uh, she's the speaker. I'm not, and she's got a pretty. Uh, uh, contentious, independent-minded group there of, of Republicans and Democrats. So it'll be one of the dramas to watch. In the Senator, the other thing is Brian, Brian Mast. You know Brian Mast lost both his legs. He's, he represents Florida district. Yes, right, he, he says, right. I'm not wearing a mask anymore. And they said 5,000 a day. So 5,000 yeah. a day not to wear a mask. And now others are saying it. But the science backs him. You can't, don't, If you have a problem with it, then go to another country. Well, we, this is what I was trying to say a moment ago. That when this all started, early months, honestly, we didn't know what the science was going to say. But now uh, we can say, after a lot of months of the vaccines, that uh, we're okay, we're protected, and uh, uh, I think that's what we—that's what we got to do. It's good for people personally to get back to something like normal. It's obviously good uh, for our economy, and you know, it is a great success story. The vaccines. Uh, the, the the work that was done, the combination of government and private sector, and then the brilliance of, uh, uh, you know, innovation. And you got to say, so they get wrapped all the time. The pharmaceutical industry, my God, they developed these in, in lightning speed. And uh, look, look at the numbers of new infections, deaths, they're all going down. So 
Uh, thank God, and, and uh, hopefully we've learned from it. And, and uh, next time, if there is a next time, we're ready to fight it quickly and not have to go through everything we went through this time. But th- this is something to celebrate, really. We're on the way back to, to what, what, what we remember as our normal life. So uh, there's a lot of things that have changed since you've been in the Senate and ran for vice president. And yeah. one of which is the Democratic Party seems to have less and less people who want to back Israel. And it seems like the people that do, like Schumer and Menendez, are keeping quiet as you have the entire squad, new members like Cori Bush, uh, Congresswoman Tlaib, uh, who wrestled the president on the tarmac in Michigan yesterday. Uh, suddenly, the president of the United States, I think the president Biden has handled it uh, as good as uh, possible uh, you know, for any Democrat. And yet he is getting blitzed on the left. What, what changed? Well, I don't know. Really, nothing should have changed. I mean, there's obviously been a change on the left in the Democratic Party, and it, it troubles me greatly, not only on Middle East policy and foreign policy, but obviously on domestic policy as well. It's a fight that's been going on in the Democratic Party off and on for a long time. I came into politics um, in the 60s, and of course we had the big McGovern battle uh, left-right in 72. Uh, Bill Clinton, who I supported early, brought the party back to the center, but then now it's drift, and and it really produced a lot in partnership, uh, interestingly, with Duke Gingrich. A lot of good things for the country, but now it's, there, there is this far-left group, the people you've mentioned, and they, they say things about um, Israel, Israel, negative, that I, I can't remember. Maybe one person, two in my 24 years in, in the Senate, anybody in Congress, anything like that. They don't represent the majority of Democratic members of Congress, but they're having an effect. And look, you've got um, a majority of Democratic senators coming out with this statement. Uh, in the last week, which uh, and these are not far left, and and that's what's troubling about it. Call, supporting a ceasefire, well, of course everybody would like a ceasefire all the time, but but what is who are the targets of this letter from these uh, uh, Democratic senators? It's their own president, Joe Biden, who has stuck by our ally, Israel, knows that this is not sort of an a fight between equivalent entities. This is Israel, our democratic ally, our best, most trustworthy ally in the Middle East, and a terrorist group, uh, Hamas. And uh, so the side we should be on is pretty clear, but I think these democratic senators, maybe because they feel some pressure from the far left in the party, uh, have put out this statement, which is not not aimed at Hamas. Hamas doesn't care what they say, except they're happy that they seem to be trying to put pressure on Senator, Biden. Senator, there's no legitimate partner. There's no Yasser Arafat to like or despise. You're not going to deal with Hamas. And the uh, West Bank has no, uh, the West Bank and the Palestinian Authority has no authority. If there was an election, they lose even more street cred. So that's why the President Trump went outside the Palestinian Authority to go start talking to people in the region. The pressure would have to come to them, and, that, and they're not going to have Middle East peace. Wait, wait, Middle East peace is not going to wait for them. And the President Biden gets gets harangued by Congresswoman Tlaib yesterday in Michigan. Yeah. Here's what he said afterwards. Cut 23. I'm Rashid Tlaib. Where's Rashid? I tell you what, Rashid, I want to say to you that uh, I admire your intellect, I admire your passion, and I admire your concern for so many other people. And it's my, from my heart, 
I pray that your grandmom and family are well. I promise you I'm going to do everything to see that they are on the West Bank. You're a fighter, and God, thank you for being a fighter. I mean, okay, uh, thanks for embarrassing me in front of the world. Uh, yeah. And I don't know what she was trying to do there, but w- would you have tolerated that? Well, you know, let, let's, I mean, I don't know that she deserves the benefit of the doubt because she's taken such a position here. Apparently she has relatives in the West Bank. I assume they're not Hamas members, and so she appealed on that basis. But really, uh, her relatives on the, on the West Bank uh, in the Palestinian Authority area are the victims of Hamas. Hamas started this, and Hamas started it to take a shot at the leadership of uh, the Palestinians on the West Bank, and also because they are puppets. Hamas are puppets for Iran, and Iran is the is the big mover in this, gave Hamas the rockets, trained them how to use it, told them to fire them at Israel. And, and what's that all about? It's about putting pressure on the United States in the negotiations about the nuclear uh, agreement in Vienna. And it's also about trying to separate uh, the Arab countries that have joined with uh, Israel under the Abraham Accords that were uh, a historic accomplishment of the uh, Trump administration. And, you know, you have to say that so far uh, Iran uh, has been successful in creating exactly the kind of trouble that wanted to create. But look, Israel has no choice. They've got to defend their own people, just as we would. I mean, how would we feel if uh, we were attacked by terrorists? Let's go way back to 2001. Al-Qaeda, Taliban-controlled uh, country, Texas, from Afghanistan on 9-11. Of course we retaliate. And what if, what if one of our allies in Europe said, oh, it's time for a ceasefire. Yeah, you've done enough. We hate to see people suffering. Of course, we all hate to see people suffering in war, but but when you're attacked, as we were then, and as Israel has been in the last few weeks by Hamas, you, you have to defend uh, your country and protect the security of your people, and that's what our ally Israel is doing. I, I believe and hope, and hope that um, pretty soon Israel will have achieved its goals here, uh, and hopefully the world has learned, and most of all, Hamas has learned. They, they, they've been decimated, yeah. and the victims well, really are the people. And the Palestinian Gaza. people keep putting Hamas in power, and that's what you get. You send hundreds of rockets into Israel, you're going to get powered into a, you're going to get pounded into oblivion. Sadly, there's the, the it, death toll is mounted. But you have Debbie Dindo, yeah, Rokahana, Tlaib, Cory Bush, Bernie Sanders, yeah. AOC, who have all uh, sided with the Palestinians as if they don't remember how this all started. 213, they say, Palestinians have lost their lives, some of right. which are innocent, no question. But that is not Israel's fault. They text ahead no, of time. This, right, Brian, thanks for saying that. This was so, this fight was started by Hamas without justification. It was about a real estate disagreement that's been in the Israeli courts for decades. It was about a, a skirmish near the Al-Aqsa Mosque which uh, some can say was a mistake by the Israeli police. But this was no major incident, and uh, they jumped on it for their own political reasons and for uh, Iran's political reasons. And and a lot of people, mostly Palestinians, have suffered. And, uh, you know, you hope that that there's a better leadership rising among the the Palestinian people, not only in Gaza but on the West Bank as well, that will be willing— 
to to do what it's pretty obvious to me that the overwhelming majority of Israelis want, which is to make progress and reduce the conflict between Israelis and Palestinians. That that should be the goal. But yeah. listen, don't yeah. let anything mess up this enormous progress between Israel and the Arab countries in the uh, Abraham Accords. I mean, that that was a historic breakthrough, and we got to protect it and hopefully expand it. Yeah, the thing that could what, blow it up, they could blow it up if they do this deal with Iran. Real quick, your thoughts about where they're heading in Vienna? Well, I'm worried about it. I mean, I'm, I'm worried that the Biden administration uh, is uh, sort of sending a message that they want to deal more than the Iranians do. The Iranians are desperate to get the economic sanctions, the pressure, we put on them going back a lot of years and, and uh, turned into a campaign of what the last administration, Trump administration, called maximum pressure. It's hurting the Iranians, uh, and they're going to try all they can to get those sanctions off them. We want them to uh, abandon their nuclear program, stop enriching nuclear fuel. But if we give them uh, relief from the sanctions, honestly, they're going to walk away from the table uh, with, with an, um, an economy that can come back. Okay. And maybe some money in their pocket, which they got last deal, uh, uh, to give to Hamas and Hezbollah and a lot of other terrorist groups. So, Senator, always great to have uh, you on. I, I hope we, yeah. yeah, I hope the Biden people pull back and they focus on expanding the Abraham Accords. That's gotcha. where the hopefulness is. Senator Joe Liebman, thanks so much. Your call's next. Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Teachers take their masks off while they're... Yell, while they yell at us kids and that we need to pull ours up... I asked my mom if there is a word for this, and she said there is. Hypocrisy. I know my teacher has asthma and everything, but I understand why it's hard for her to wear a mask, and I think she should have that choice. But I should, too. I have allergies, and I feel really anxious with my face covered. But I'm not allowed a mask break like her. All this seems unfair, and it doesn't make sense. Yeah, a fourth grader upset of every reason he outlined brilliantly. Uh, do, does that, do you see eye-to-eye to that? Is that your experience with the kids you know? Uh, Anthony, listen, WRCN. Anthony. Hi, Brian. How are you? Good. Hi, Brian. What's on your mind? Uh, I just want to say, first of all, thank you. Thank you for speaking the truth and having a different opinion than everybody else, using common sense. Um, I'm calling for our kids. I saw this kid that you put. Um, I saw his video. I saw his speech. Um, it's just devastating that our kids are still wearing masks in schools. I don't understand why joke. that is. They're torturing um, these see- kids on, in the effort, and they're pretending to save them. Save them from what? Everything? The flu? Lions? Tigers? What are you talking about? I mean, Exactly, Brian. Our kids are forced to wear these masks six hours a day, sitting on a desk uh, with a plexiglass in front of them. For what, Brian? I hear you. I hear you. Thanks so much. And I'm going to keep fighting until those masks come off this year, not next year, this year. Lee Bryce next. 
New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. I had a chance on Thursday in the evening over to Friday uh, all day to go to Panama City, Florida and spend a day and a half with Lee Bryce. Why? Well, the first stop was Rosemary Beach, where he wrote a lot of his music. Who is he? Uh, former offensive lineman for the, for the Clemson Tigers who quit and took Nashville by storm. I think his first big hit, uh, I think this guy named Tim McGraw recorded. And then he did a bunch of hit of his own. He's got a bunch of number ones. He's up for song of the year again this year. He works like there is no tomorrow. And I had a chance to go behind the scenes with him and talk to him about what this last year has been like. And many performers out there, big and small, famous and not yet famous, could relate to this. When there's no stage, nowhere to go, no, no movies being shot, uh, no commercials even being made. What do you do? And for a guy that used to tour the country, he was home. Here's my interview. Uh, and by the way, the whole interview is going to be posted on BrianKillmeadShow.com. This did not appear on TV. Here's the interview itself. So, Lee, this is tradition, right? This oh, has yeah. happened. Oh, yeah. But you know what hasn't been traditional? This past year for any American. Oh, no. I know you wrote a lot. Yeah. But I always thought about the performers, the comedians. Yeah. The, the, the actors on Broadway. I always thought about the musicians, and I said, what do you do when you can't have a crowd, I don't care how popular you are and how much people want to see you, how did you deal with not being on stage for the first time since maybe 2003? Well, at first you're like, well, you can either get on defense and just sit there and mope and hope, or you can get on offense and figure out a way to still figure it out. So we did, we did shows, we did online shows we did shows where there were people parking cars it was weird and yes it was hard you played to a parking lot oh i mean literally is that a parking lot party yeah you know but it was but it was so odd because you couldn't feel that energy because they're in you know it's terrible but so about two three weeks ago we had our first weekend out i mean two buses three trucks it was half capacity but the people were live they were there. Their energy was coming back to me. And man, with this it's, record, uh, I was hearing these new songs that I'd never been able to play for them. I'm learning them still because I've never really played them before. Wow. And they're Tell singing. me what they are. Tell me what you so played for like, the We played like, you know, we played uh, a, a memory I don't mess with. We played more beer. We played If You. We played even one of them girls. We haven't really had a chance to play that stuff out Love that in song. front of people. Songs that are hits, you know, but man, you're talking about whenever they're going, we're going to need more beer, and you've seen the crowd doing this thing, I'm going, and like I found myself, like after after a song, I found myself just kind of just listening to them like scream and sing and stop, and I went, guys, I apologize if I'm just having too much fun, but I got to suck this in right now. Because it's special. Right. It is special. And it, there's a hole in an entertainer's heart for this last year. Right. Every entertainer. Whether, but, but whether, do you think there's more respect even from the from the fans as well as the performers? Like, no one can take each other for granted. Oh, no. You can't take this for granted anymore. And there's a, there's a, there's a lot of artists who, who could have taken it for granted. I mean, I've had my moments where I was like, man, I'm tired. I don't 
feel like going and doing this show. But it always worked itself out because when I got on the stage, it was like, all right, like we're going. Now you know why you're here. But there were times, you know, yeah. but you, you take it away for a second and see what happens. A couple of things. Now you're going to go back out there. You're going to do it. Do you ever think about the struggling performer? If, we, if someone's coming up now in 2020 and all of a sudden they're told you cannot go to a bar, the biggest or smallest crowd, you cannot be bad, right? How do you start out in 2020? I mean, I guess you just, you know, sneak around and go to that bar. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, right. look, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're so appreciative to be able to play shows. You get out there, you go you play shows, it. and honestly... You know, if you're if you're doing what you're supposed to do, you get there. By the time you're working all day and getting sound checked and you're getting your share right and you're giving everything to your fans that you possibly can, and then you, it's it's time to get on that bus and head down that road to go to the next place. You know, that's what I've learned over 20 years of being on the road. Right. You know, I mean, the young artist in me would have been like, well, I'm not supposed to go over here, but I'll see y'all in a little bit. You know, <laughs> I just go do it. <laughs> So, Lee, it's, you miss being on the road, but you know what also you liked about 2020? Oh. You love being with your family. You got three kids who loved having you around. Yeah. And what did you realize about being around? Yeah, it kind of created a little bit of a problem, you know. Not a problem, but a, but a, but a, uh, an awareness of how much time I was gone. My three kids at their ages and what they need. And now I'm like, okay. Well, as soon as we can get caught back up after trying to catch up over a year yeah. of no work, there's going to be a big priority change in how much I'm on the road. Because I got three kids at ages that they need their daddy, not just their mama, and not just their daddy for a day or two, right? a week or every two weeks. And so there's going to be a big priority change in that, and that's what I learned because this was the best year. For family. I mean, for my family. I mean, they're... I know it's it's been a hard year for so many people in so many ways, and for us in so many ways, but for my family, it might be the best year we've ever had, ever, because all they've ever known is daddy's gone, and daddy comes home for a few days, and then daddy's gone, but daddy's been home for a year, and now my little girl's like, where are you going? And I'm like, oh, no, I can't take this, Wow. and I want to be home, and, I, and all the things I got to teach my little boys, you know, they're getting to ages where they can... Learn to hook up a trailer, change a tire, stack wood, and teach, I can teach them how to change the oil. I mean, all these little things that I wouldn't be able to really have time to do, I've had a year to do now, and it's been like, wow. Right. My daddy had his whole life to do that with me, and we did it. And I'm so glad, I'm so appreciative of this year Right. For in that in that way. Are they appreciating your music? Yeah, they are, actually. You know, it's, it's funny. That, hey, daddy, play, play boy. Like, it's funny, truly, my little girl's like, play boy. I'm like, but you're not a boy. She's like, no, but I just like boy. <laughs> you know, uh, but then I will say, I had a song, I wrote a song called Daddy Don't Care. And it was supposed to be maybe on this last record we put out. And it's about her when she was born. And, and she asked her mama the other day, so where's my song on his, because she played him the whole record. <laughs> played her the whole record. And so... I now I'm gonna have to like I gotta <laughs> figure good. out where the, I got I gotta make good yeah. with truly. So I know we're gonna we're gonna be able to talk tomorrow and you got an exciting thing going on in school and a concert yes, tonight. Yes. But I but I do have to ask you, uh, as this as this uh, album comes out, you book, you're on another label, but you also did this. I call it like a coach. 
You formed your own label. You see a lot of talent out there. You formed your own label. And you're going to have people under Lee Bryce's label. Tell me about it. Why was that important to do? Well, I mean, so it's called Pump House. Pump House came from a, an old, we were doing a vocal booth at this Christian camp I used to work at where we needed a place to do vocals. Went and tore down this old in the woods, this old, used the wood because we had no money. We used the wood from this, from this old pump house and we built a vocal booth inside our storage room. And from there, um, uh, actually the guy, one of the guys that was with me doing that is the first person that we signed, him and Lewis. Um, Your brother. My brother. Um, and uh, so Nick Norman. And now we're moving in Rebecca Lynn Howard, but it's more about, it's a label that's more about, like, letting, like, I've been through some other processes that weren't, and I've seen other artists go through processes that were like, labels are trying to make artists be right. what they think they need to be, instead of just, let, let's all work together, let, you need to be who you are, Whoever if that I believe is. in you, yeah. I believe in you. And so that's what we're doing at Pump House. And, and that, is that a good feeling? Does it remind you of sports days when a coach just wants the team to win? It's not yes. about them? Yes. It's Herb yes. Brooks, 1980? Yes. It's like, I mean, it's like Dabo. It's like he cares more about, first of all, he's going to coach, coach the man yeah. first. He's going to coach the young man first. And then he's going to coach the football player. Right. And I think that is a really big reason why, say, Clemson has 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 grown and done what they've done, you know, as, as a football program. And you're bringing that to music. And that's what I feel like we should. You gotta, you gotta. I will coach you, but but you gotta, you gotta be who you are. But you also let's make you the best person you can be. Right. And let you be the best artist who you are you can be. Right. And. Uh, it's important to us as a label. So it's a, it's a label, but it's more about a label. The artists are just as much of a part of the head of the label as the heads of the label. You know what I mean? We're gotcha. all we're all making decisions together. You know what I mean? And uh, it's it's a little different way. It's more of artist at, to artist than business it, to artist. Yes, that's what it is. It's an artist-driven label that because I'm an artist, you know, and right. I'm a writer, and I'm like I've been in positions to where people tried to make me do other stuff or I got the short in the stick. Well, that's not what's going to happen here at Pump House. And so, yes, so Rebecca Lynn Howard and Nick Norman and Lewis Rice and these, these acts. And we, we just, we want to make, let them be who they are and we believe in who they are. And we want to let them do what they do because they work hard at what they do. Right. They're not, I mean, we wouldn't go do it if they were just somebody Whatever happens, they got some talent, yeah. But I know these people. And I know their talent, uh, and we and we've we've put time and energy and, and and found backers and stuff to put into this, and so it's very important. But um, wherever it goes is wherever it goes. But we're gonna we're gonna stick to our guns and let them be who they are. And I mean, our belief is that that will make them special. Understood, Lee. Eight number ones, five studio albums. You're not slowing down. Is there a number? Is there a goal? There's a goal. And it is? The goal is to be able to say, hey, I'm not going to play 200 shows this year because I want to be, I need to have a life at home with my family. I'm going to go do this tour and this tour. And we're going to do X amount of dates and X amount of dates. And the rest of the year, I'll be at home, working in the studio, writing, being with the family, 
right now I'm kind of, I really am at the mercy of we got to catch up. We, I'm going to be gone. It's going to be a very difficult year. To do, this to whole parenting up. thing yeah, is full I mean, time. It really is. And yeah. so, but my goal really is, that's my goal is to be able to go, look, I want to play 75 dates this year or whatever it may be. And, or 50 dates this year, you know, uh, that's my goal. So if I can continue this, like, roll we're on, I think we can do that. Absolutely. I really do. And so that's the goal. So you probably know Lee Bryce. Uh, you know the name. You probably know almost every song. What are them girls? Rumor, boy, I drive your truck. Uh, women like you, memory, uh, I don't mess with. Uh, and the movie, the song that he co-wrote with Carly Pierce is up for Song of the Year. It's called I Hope You're Happy Now. And Hard to Love is something we played in and out of uh, the TV segment we did. But it's rare because the, the noise in the background is actually the ocean. So at first we said the audio is not good. I go, what's wrong with hearing the ocean in the background? Nothing. Special thanks to uh, Lee Bryce for doing that. And if he's in your area, go grab him because he is a performer. Uh, so listen, we'll be back with your calls, one 408 And this is up for Song of the Year. For me, it won already. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Like you say, no one can be woke enough. You know, I'm torn because I like a warrior for a good cause, but I'm really in the tactics. You're not going to nag people into behaving right in a way that's you know in fact if if you continue with this tone even if you're right you'll be very hard to hear that is one of the most respected comedians in america dave chappelle's who is not a radical republican he is a comedian who's got political views that may or may not agree with yours, but he wants to be able to say them, and he sees a huge problem, and he's talking to another uh, monster in the media, Joe Rogan, and he's saying, this whole world culture, when, when is it going to stop? And that is part of a five-alarm fire that should be going off in your kitchen because just because you may or may not have notoriety or fame, if you haven't played a perfect game up to this point, if someone wants to eliminate you in this current climate, they will. Unless people start standing up, speaking out, sponsors stand up and speak out, and companies end up having a little showing a little bit of courage instead of running for the hills. Brandon, listening in Minnesota. Hey, Brandon. Morning, Mr. Kilmeade. Hey, what's um, on your mind? And we're talking on what you just pointed out, when is America going to stand up in regards to uh, our speakers on the House floor being fined $5,000 for not wearing a mask? How about everybody on the House floor just go in and not wear one? How about the Republicans at least show a spine, right? Exactly. I mean, that's who I voted for. I voted for somebody with a spine that could stand up for what I wanted. Brian and, Mast is somebody uh, who's done that. Obviously not in Minnesota. He's over in Florida. Lost both his legs. He said, I'm not doing it. You told us to watch the science. I'm not doing it. So go ahead, rally around him. Tom Massey did, another congressman, but I don't see anybody else doing it. I think he should do it, and I think it's up to McCarthy to lead the way. Hey, I mean, you can't show unity unless you're strong enough to start a movement of unifying your people. Got it. Thanks, you know, Brandon. I, I hear you. Meanwhile, in terms of whether they should or shouldn't be doing it, listen to what Dr. Anthony Fauci said. If you're thinking right now, I've been vaccinated, I could take off my mask, the answer is yes. 
But if you don't believe it, I understand that because you have not been given the truth. Cut one. Before the CDC made the recommendation change, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. But being a fully vaccinated person, the chances of my getting infected in an indoor setting is extremely low. And that's the reason why in indoor settings now, I feel comfortable about not wearing a mask. So he was not even laying it out for us, not telling the truth for us, uh, uh, to us. Which goes to show you when he was brawling with Rand Paul, he was 100% right. Rand Paul goes, listen, I don't need the vaccine. I had it already. I have the antibodies. I'm a doctor. Cut two. You're and- telling everybody to wear a mask, whether they've had an infection or a vaccine. What I'm saying is they have immunity and everybody agrees they have immunity. What studies do you have that people that have had the vaccine yeah. or have had the infection are spreading the infection? If we're not spreading the infection, isn't it just theater? No, it's not. the vaccine and you're wearing two masks. Isn't that theater? No, that's not. Here we go again with the theater. (laughs) You're 100% not telling the truth. 100%. And with President Biden, the same thing. What is going on? I I have to speculate that he must have some type of physical ailment that he's worried about. Because he's still wearing his mask everywhere outside. He's wearing it inside. You should not be wearing it inside and outside. You want to be a role model. You said you want to set a good example as a candidate. Set a good example as a president, unless you're not telling us that you got uh, real problems. Here's Jason Chaffetz on Brian Mast standing up uh, for the mask. Cut nine. I've heard from members who serve. I used to serve there, and it does seem to be theatrics. Uh, and, and shame on Nancy Pelosi for going after Brian Mast, who served our country. Uh, he was a staff sergeant in the Army, lost both his legs serving in Afghanistan. And it's absolutely right. Rally around. If you want to rally around somebody doing the right thing, it's Brian Mast. Go to BrianKillMeatShow.com or the podcast. Everyone else is. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's Brian Tillney coming to a part coming to you from a partially released and back to normal New York. There's still some problems, I'll explain, but we are getting closer to normal, even though we have an abnormal uh, leaders and governors and mayors. Martha McCallum be on this hour. Andrew McCarthy, Fox News contributor, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, on shortly, author of Ball of Collusion on the revelations. Now the uh, the criminal probe into the Trump organization is not civil. Civil, It's now switched to criminal. The New York AG has joined the Southern District of New York in looking at the organization. Not what he did as president, but what he did prior to being president, which is, uh, which I never thought was going to happen in this country. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. You can never be woke enough. That's the problem. It keeps going. It keeps right. going further and further and further down the line. And if you get to the point where you capitulate, where you agree to all these demands, it will eventually get to straight white men are not allowed to talk. At all. Woke up. Tired of the cancel culture? So am I. Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle, speak out. Number two. 
It's Vladimir Putin maintaining strategic leverage in Europe. The United States deciding that it's more important to keep the Germans happy and to preserve that relationship with Germany than it is to do everything in their power to stop the completion of this pipeline. It's nuts. Clueless Joe going green and leaving our nation out of energy while paving the way for a pipeline to roll from Russia to our Western allies makes absolutely no sense. Number one. Before the CDC made the recommendation change, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. But being a fully vaccinated person, the chances of my getting infected is extremely low. And that's the reason why in indoor settings now, I feel comfortable about not wearing a mask. What is wrong with this guy? It's old theater. Dr. Fauci admits his pandemic messaging was not about telling the truth. Yeah, and often wrong some of the things he was doing. His medical messaging is keeping Americans confused and from getting on with their lives. So let's start with Andy McCarthy. Andy, uh, welcome back. Hey, Brian, how are you? If you were in the Trump family right now, uh, how much how concerned are you? Uh, not any more than I was yesterday, and let me just explain why. There's a big hullabaloo in all this coverage, Brian, but it really doesn't change what is under investigation. The only thing that has happened here is the Manhattan District Attorney's Office under Cy Vance. So this is not the federal prosecutor. This is the Manhattan DA, New York State, uh, has been conducting a criminal investigation of the Trump Organization for, I think, more than three years. This is the case that went up to the Supreme Court twice in connection with trying to get Trump's uh, personal financial records, including his, his tax records. So I think that investigation is probably something that arises out of this big blockbuster report that the New York Times did in 2018 about decades-long financial practices, supposedly, of the Trump Organization. And it raised suspicions about uh, bank fraud, insurance fraud, and tax fraud. And mainly, it's, um, it's geared toward what is one of the most common industrial practices known to man, which is that uh, these guys who have big real estate holdings uh, inflate the value of them for things like uh, insurance coverage and when they're trying to borrow money and using them as collateral – but lower the value of them for you know things like tax purposes and insurance premiums, and it's hardly something Trump invented. It's something that you know in many ways a lot of these practices are legal. But in any event, the Times laid this out in 2018. Vance's office has been looking for, at it. That's why they said they needed uh, Trump's financial records. On a parallel track, Tish James, who is the Attorney General of New York State has been looking at the same body of information, but her authority is mainly limited to civil enforcement, not criminal enforcement. She has some criminal authority, but it's narrower. So all that's happened in the last 12 hours or however long it is since this news broke is that Tish James's office is joining up with Vance's office on the criminal aspect rather than pursuing them on two different tracks. But it doesn't change the investigation that was underway anyhow, or change the subject matter of it. Do you know if he's lawyered up effectively? I don't know any of his lawyers. I, I, I don't hear any. And, and if you do, if you were representing him, would you be speaking? 
Well, with norm, normally, Brian, with uh, – well, let me talk to your first question first. The Trump Organization has plenty of legal help, and it, and it always uh, has. Um, you can argue whether they have all the legal help they need, but I don't, I don't really have great insight into that. And a lot of times, um, until an investigation really gets serious and somebody gets charged, there's no reason to go if – you, if you're happy with the legal help you have, there's no reason to – to panic about that. Um, you know, as far as the rest of it is concerned, I just, this doesn't change anything that they were already dealing with. And the problem with trying to say what you, what advice you would give to Trump is with the normal client, the normal client is not a public figure who's made a million statements about everything. But if former President Trump stopped talking now, there would still be like encyclopedias worth of prior statements that he's made. And it's simply not his way. You know, some people try to, you know, go quiet and um, strategically go about their legal problems that way. Other people are uh, in your face and think the most important thing, uh, especially in what appears to be a politicized investigation, is to win the public relations battle. And I think. That's the camp that uh, Donald Trump is in. He's getting near his 80s, and it's served him pretty well in his life, I guess he'd say. Um, so I don't think any lawyer is going to change him. He's going to do what he does. So, yeah, I guess we're going to see. To me, that is uh, that oh, this is political future. If you're if you're in you know fighting for your political life and you have to defend your uh, you know doing the 50 years of business on the minutia level and you're spending all your time defending yourself for the public forum, how are you going to run for president? Uh, how are you going to be an impactful person on the stump? I think that would be that would be uh, along with being 78 years old would be the issue. So I think it. I think it matters. I just find I find it hard to believe, Andy. If he's not president, do they have these problems? No. Well, no. I think uh, you know. Obviously, he has made himself a target, and he's somebody who is absolutely reviled on the political left. So you, when you're dealing with someone like uh, Letitia James, who is a very ambitious progressive politician, and I think probably sees herself running for governor uh, at some time, maybe sometime soon even. This is the kind of thing that would be very appealing to New York progressives. And anybody who doesn't think there's a political aspect to this uh, is smoking something. Absolutely. So uh, when you look at other people, have you gotten any interesting insight to what Rudy Giuliani's looking at? No, I think, you know, Rudy's lawyers, it looks like, have made a pretty interesting um, motion in the uh, U.S. court. Now, this is not a state investigation. It's a federal investigation. And what they're arguing, and I think, you know, th there's, uh, there's equity in this, whether they legally will prevail or not, I don't know. But, you know, basically they're saying there was no reason that the prosecutors needed to get a search warrant to toss Rudy's uh, home and his office. And, and Victoria Tenzing's uh, phone in her home. Yeah, they could easily have just said, here's a subpoena, here's what we want, and left it to Rudy to turn it over, which is what the Justice Department recommends doing with lawyers, because if you don't do it that way, then – Everybody, all the clients of that lawyer, their attorney-client privilege is going to be intruded on by the federal government, which 
The Justice Department doesn't want to be in that position, shouldn't want to be in that position. I think it was overly aggressive for the Southern District to do that. And there's no reason on God's green earth to think that Rudy Giuliani, who for a very long time had a very high-level security clearance, who was a high-ranking Justice Department official, who was a legendary U.S. attorney, and who put people in jail for obstructing justice, there was no reason to execute a search warrant on him on the suspicion that he would otherwise destroy evidence. I think it's ridiculous. And if they're doing it because they're trying to make a FARA case, the Foreign Agent Registration Act, which is something they virtually, for over a half century, have never treated never as a criminal it. violation. That's it's outrageous. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to see if they're trying to probe and see if there's something, uh, something problematic in his communications with the president, who doesn't text, by the way. Uh, real quick, th- this other story: Andrew Brown shooting. Uh, they went ahead. They haven't released all the video from, from the video they showed yesterday. It looks like he got shot uh, because he would not stop. He got in the car. He almost hit a cop, and they opened up fire. He ended up dying. So they said that there was nothing wrong with what happened with the shooting. Here's how it sounded. Well, Joy Reid, what they looked like was a lynch mob with guns and badges coming to hunt a black man, and it was a search warrant. They knew his identity. Uh, You see from that video that he was going away. What's the worst that happens? He gets away. They know his identity. They can regroup and take him again. So they should have let him drive away, Benjamin Krupp said. He was executed. It was a lynch mob. So what's your reaction for a lawyer to see that response come out of the attorney general's office and call it a lynch mob and they should just let him drive away? Well, I guess my reaction is twofold. Number one is he says they should have let him drive away and then they could regroup and get him the next time. But wouldn't he say the same thing the next time? I mean, basically what he's saying is you should never arrest him because it's a it's a racial component of it. Um, And secondly, this is what we're going to have, Brian, as long as we treat the job that police are asked to do and the function of law enforcement as, it, as if it were a racialized morality play rather than what it is, which is the police uh, having to do their jobs if we're going to have law and order and the prosperity that a democratic society gets from that. If you want to turn the streets into the jungle, if you want to turn the, you know, get rid of the law and order that we've had for a generation, which has given America unprecedented uh, prosperity in human history, then make it impossible for the police to do their jobs. And that's exactly what you'll have. But it can't be the case that every time the police use force, uh, they have to worry about whether they're going to be indicted for assault or worse, because then the police won't do their jobs and we won't have law and order. I was talking to a police officer over the weekend, and they said they always tell you in the academy, you'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by six. <laughs> well, I mean, it's terrible that you have to, to think about that, because I think the kind of policing that we had uh, in, well, not only in the New York area, but across the country where we've had record low crime going back to the 1990s, um, I think they projected enough of an image that the laws were going to be enforced that they had to do less and less law enforcement, which is why we had record low violent crime, record low murder, record low. So, you know, the idea is you have to project the impression 
that the laws are going to be enforced. And when you do that, you end up needing less policing on a day-to-day kind of basis, except for like hot spots where uh, crime arises, because everybody understands the laws are going to be enforced and you end up not having the Wild West out there. Now what's happening is you've broken down the idea that the laws are going to be enforced. And in addition, so you're getting more crime and you're making it harder for the police to do their jobs because every time they intervene, they have to worry either that they'll be prosecuted for whatever physical intervention they have to do, or sometimes they're being attacked um, just for doing their jobs. So are the emergency medical people. So are the fire people. It's, it's, you know, when things descend, they can really descend quickly. It took 30 years to get the kind of um, law and order that we had. It's not going to take 30 years for it to go the other way. And it it seemed to have happened in three minutes. Uh, all of a sudden, it seems like all oh, law enforcement's on its heels or turning in their badge. And you'll see a lot of that, too, uh, coming in June because people don't want to deal with it. They They used to take pride in what they did. They didn't do it to get rich. Maybe the benefits were interesting. But not anymore. And uh, that's what these lawmakers have dealt themselves. Good luck with that. Andy McCarthy, thanks so much. Always great. Thank you, Brian. Hey, when we come back, Martha McCallum joins us and we take your calls. one 408 It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It's almost like, wait, who's this and who's that? It's like, I don't recognize anyone until like Reese's. I'm like, oh, hey, oh, hey. Until I take, until they take their masks off, I'm like, oh, hey, oh, hey. They're like, who are you? I take my mask off. It's me, John. I'm like, oh, hey, John. <laughs> but, like, it's just this simple state of, like, do we even know any other people? It's like, it's, we're just dehumanizing. That is unbelievable for a fourth grader. He hopped on with Tucker last night, us this morning. Uh, that young man from Florida is just upset that he's got to wear a mask. He's got allergies on top of that. We keep talking about kids, but what about hearing from them? Martha McCallum's here. We talk about this every time you come in, Martha. You talk about it on your show. The damage is done to the kids, and the science says they shouldn't even be wearing masks. No, they shouldn't be wearing masks, and this little boy has it exactly right. We should have been back in school in the fall. A lot of schools were, a lot of colleges were, and I give them so much credit because their students did not lose an entire year. But this child is very on point and very articulate. And you have to wonder about the psychological impact that it leaves on kids, right? Having been stuck at home for so long, having not seen their friends, working remotely through Zoom, not you know having to wear masks when they go outside, having to wear masks when they play sports, it's going to leave a mark. I would think so because I was thinking about this today. The 11th graders uh, got totally screwed last year, and then this year they've been limited. Most Every once in a while there's a couple of states that haven't, but at least it's social. They could hop in their car mm-hmm. or go to a friend's house or walk, but not first and second graders, third graders. That is their social, and maybe they're home in a single-parent family with no siblings, yeah. and they sit there and they go back to school, and then they go back to school. What happens when you put that mask on? You don't say anything. You don't talk. No. Right? So, and then you get yelled at if you're too close. <laughs> and he says he pulled, the teachers pull them down to yell at them. Yeah, that's what he said. He goes, my teacher doesn't like oh it because, my gosh. Uh, you know, she doesn't like it, but I have allergies because evidently she's got asthma. He goes, well, what about me? I have allergies. Yeah. 
Exactly. I, I don't. I have terrible allergies. I you can't. I mean, you can't really do anything under a mask when you have allergies, especially when you're outside. I, I just think that it is time for you know. I I played a soundbite last night, last, yesterday on the show about Dr. Fauci saying, "Well, I just felt that I was sending a good message if I kept my mask on after I was fully vaccinated. So that's why I did it." What, what message were you, you sending? What you should have done was said, you know, 14 days after your vac- second va- vaccine, take the mask off, go on TV, do interviews and say, I am now fully vaccinated. I can take my mask off. If you are not, then you can't take your mask off in certain places. So it really gives you a lot more freedom to just go get the shot. Why what didn't you do that? What about your governor? Your mm. governor says we're not there yet. Yeah. What do you mean you're not there yet? Anyone can get a vaccine, gets a vaccine. Exactly. You made your choice. Your exactly. Choice, you made your choice. And those who are not going to get it, you know, people can encourage them as much as they want, but it's it's a free choice for them. They can choose whether or not they want to get it, and they can choose whether or not they want to participate in things that you're going to have to have the vaccine to participate in based on the independent businesses who will insist on it. But, yeah, you know, New Jersey has – I looked at all of the death per 100,000 numbers across the country. They're very similar in most places for the most part, regardless of their behavior. New Jersey's number one. I'm like, that's something you don't want to be number one no, in. No, you don't. Here we go again with the theater. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. How come the parochial schools and the private schools could navigate their way through this scenario, but the public schools didn't seem to be able to manage that. I'd like to ask you why you think a pandemic is a reason to reimagine our education. It is pathetic how the teachers union and the government has failed our children. So the C-SPAN opened up the phones. Random callers, Randy Weingartner there. Some fun C-SPAN TV. All she got was blistered by people. And Martha McCallum's here. Her show's going to be starting at 3 o'clock today. Martha, they don't understand how they overstep party politics. It's not Democrat or Republican. When your kids are involved, it doesn't even matter. You just know they're unjustly being stopped from learning. Their personalities have changed. The ones that do go to school are wearing a mask and they're not allowed to interact. And they're not the same kids. That's what people are. You that's know, what they don't yeah. get. So here's the deal. The teachers unions in California wanted they, they said, well, we'll go back, but we want you to sign on to defund the police and we want rent relief. And they, they threw everything they could possibly think of into that deal to screw it up so that they wouldn't have to go back. Look at the Chicago teachers union. Look at the teachers who submitted, you know, dance expressions of how they felt about being at home. I mean, it's funny, but it's pathetic. OK, I mean, their job is to teach children, to educate the children of this country. The public school system in this country is in some places outstanding, in other places so broken beyond repair that we are. It is such a disservice to the children of the country. It, it's absolutely incredible. So they wanted to put in things about rusting pipes. That, you know, Look, we'd all love to have clean, perfect schools, and I don't want any health hazards in our schools. But the fact of the matter is that the biggest health hazard to these children was not having them back in the classroom. And I think it's fascinating to listen to those respondents to Randy Weingarten because they have to understand. And that's why, lo and behold, you know, we had her on early last week. And then two days later, she turned and said, OK, back 100 percent five days a week in September. 
because they know they're under pressure. People are making other choices. People are doing pods. People are uh, teaching at home. People are sending their kids to Catholic school. People who can afford it are sending them to private school. That's a very small number of, of part, portion of the country. But they are losing power because of how hard they played these cards. It's hurting them. So I went to this this uh, two-part series with Lee Bryce, and on Friday he dedicated a recording studio to this independent school, the Ohana School. And I said, how did this start? And she says, well, I didn't really like the school system in Florida, so I started teaching my kids at home, got to know my neighbors, and my neighbors said, can we go and be homeschooled with you guys? Mm -hmm. They got to 10 or 12, and they said, can you open up an office? I have about 50 people. Now they have 183. They have a 300-person waiting list, and it's a creative way to learn, whether they're in circle couches, they're accredited, they have music where every kid's got to learn to sing, and they do robotics, because people are thinking out of the box. They want some special for their kids, and it's not cost prohibitive. So you see that, and then you see kids interacting. When Hurricane Michael hits, those kids have a sense of community because of what they've been taught. They're the ones who set up the stack tables, and President Trump came and visited their parking lot. And they said, FEMA did a good job. He goes, FEMA hasn't been here. This is us. Yeah. So there's a sense of people want more for their kids than they're getting in public schools. I want you to hear more from this fourth grader. This is what he said in front of the school board uh, on May 12th, cut 10. Teachers take their masks off while they're... Yell while they yell at us kids and that we need to pull ours up. I asked my mom if there is a word for this, and she said there is hypocrisy. I know my teacher has asthma and everything, but I understand why it's hard for her to wear a mask, and I think she should have that choice. But I should too. I have allergies, and I feel really anxious with my face covered. But I'm not allowed a mask break like her. All this seems unfair, and it doesn't make sense. And I don't want to wait till September. I thought this kid deserved today that mask ship. That mask shouldn't have been on. There's no chance these kids get it. If they get it, they're, oh, they're going to transfer it to the 70 year old teacher who's, who's missing a lung. Not anymore. They've been vaccinated, or their union has allowed them to work from home. That's right. I mean, 28% of the California teachers have a health exemption. Almost over a quarter, okay, of the teachers in California have a health exemption. Let's be realistic, folks, right? If you are a 70-year-old with one lung, the example that you just gave, you should be able to find some sort of exemption. You should be vaccinated, obviously, and maybe there's some sort of special. But let's get real, okay? I mean, can you imagine the kind of stuff that's getting thrown at these these health exemptions, the kinds of, oh. um, you know, emotional, all sorts of things that are being accepted you know, you, people go into teaching because they want to serve children. My mother was a teacher. My grandmother was a teacher. Her sister was a teacher. My sister is one of the greatest teachers you'll ever meet, okay? Um, they do what they do because of passion. No one goes into this profession to make a lot of money. You don't make a lot of money in teaching. We value our teachers across this country because they want to educate our children. The unions have made this so political. Get out of the way. When I hear about that school that you went to, I think about the old schoolhouses across this country where kids in all different age groups were all, you know, in the room together learning. Jeb Bush had a great idea on education back when he ran. He wanted to basically eliminate the grade system, right? Put kids together as they advance through the material, let them move on to the next material, right? We have kids who can't read. We have, you know, we're 30th in science in the, in the world. Um, we need to figure out a better system that works, that allows kids who are smart and able to move forward to move forward. But we are going to have so many many kids getting through seventh, eighth grade, going into high school, Brian, in our inner cities who can't read as a result of this past year.
So right. we need to figure out where they are, and we need to make sure that we serve the students. And the one thing to do, and you know, if uh, Jeb Bush wanted to expand on that, that seems to be very complicated. But if he, I'm sure he has a plan. He's so organized. But the one thing to keep, what I would love to see is, and it makes more sense every day, and it should be, you almost would think it's a Democratic program, is the voucher program. So you can leave uh, inner city USA, and you could go to that private charter school because the money you have allows you to do that, and you're wearing a uniform to school. You know, the charter school has been really hamstrung here in New York City because there's such competition with the teachers union who puts Democrats in power. And they're publicly funded, by the way. Charter schools in New York City are public schools, okay? They have a cap on how many of them are allowed because it makes the union crazy to see these extraordinarily successful. There are bad charter schools. Some of them aren't great. A lot of them have succeeded in a tremendous way. Yes, the kids wear uniforms. I, I went into a Catholic school in, you know, way uptown here in New York. The teacher had 32 students in the classroom, fifth graders, I believe, all in uniforms. You could hear a pin drop in there. Wow. Okay. I mean, this woman had such command over her class. They were listening attentively. It can be done. You need discipline in the classroom. Under the Obama administration, they lowered the ability to suspend a student, to reprimand a student. So then you've got kids who shouldn't be in the classroom, in the classroom. There are so many layers to this to this story, but we can do so much better by the children of this country, and it's time for the union to get out of the way. That would be great, and uh, I just don't see with this administration, because Joe Biden, like Rain Man, keeps on saying over and over again, we're going to build up unions. Unions are the key. It doesn't seem like he wants to disempower them. I want to bring you to another area of your expertise that's international, on the international scene, international relations. I was stunned to see in the afternoon yesterday, the story came down that no longer is the Biden administration going to stand in the way in the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. What's significant about that? Well, in all this time when President Trump's being accused of doing special things for Russia, I don't know where he came and said, uh, what's this Nord Stream pipeline? You, you mean that you're going to get your energy directly from Russia? Those are the people I'm protecting you against. That's why I'm writing big checks to stay in Western Europe to stop Russia from taking back Eastern Europe and you. And you are going to get on the crack pipe that they are addicting you to? No, not a chance. It's 95 percent done. They couldn't believe it. But he was right. And then when they say they're analyzing it, out comes the story that they're not only going to allow it to finish, they're not going to sanction the guy that was in charge. Here's how Jonathan Swan analyzed it yesterday on Special Report, Cut 20. It's Vladimir Putin basically maintaining strategic leverage in Europe. It's a direct pipeline between Russia and Germany. It cuts out Ukraine, completely uh, harming the Ukrainians, and they're very worried about this. And really, what, what this decision, which they've planned, amounts to is the United States deciding that it's more important to keep the Germans happy and to preserve that relationship with Germany than it is to do everything in their power to stop the completion of this pipeline. They get to build a pipeline that hurts our national security, and we can't build a secure uh, pipeline that helps our national security. Absolutely no sense on any level, right, to allow this guy who ran this uh, this, this program and this pipeline in Russia to have his sanctions lifted. Do you? I mean, it's almost comical how much 
these same individuals blamed President Trump for being for colluding with Russia, right? They were they were they had their hair on fire, terrified. What did he say to Lavrov in the you know in the Oval Office? What, I mean, Kislyak in the Oval Office. What you know? What kind of secrets was he sharing? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We you know this is the same administration, rough essentially the Biden Obama administration that we're seeing a lot of repeat repeat of that you know sent MREs to Ukraine, right? And blankets. We yeah, President Trump sent actual munitions to Ukraine. Weaponry, the ability to defend themselves. I mean, I, I know people get very kind of clouded by a lot of the things that danced around every day in the Trump administration and the tweets and all of this stuff, right? But you you have to look below it, especially when you're looking at the, the relationship with Russia. The policy was the strongest it has been against Russia in real terms. Now it is dramatically weakened. Why are we appeasing Germany over this issue? And why, as you point out so rightly, the day one, oh, no Keystone Pipeline. I'm sorry, why? Because the Obama State Department said there was absolutely no environmental impact from this pipeline. So why was this such a priority on day one? A couple of things. Do you know we also got out of the missile treaty? Trump got out of it. He says, this is, they're cheating. That's right. They're cheating. Oh, yeah, Vladimir Putin's my buddy. I talk to him all the time. You're cheating. We're out. Yeah. He got back into it day one. Oh, and absolutely. Now no, he's, Putin's thrilled. And this one thing I would add, Jonathan Swan, I will put a comment. I say this helps Germany, but it also mostly it helps Russia. It helps Russia say, I have more influence than you. I think you're going to go about this. I don't think I'm going to be getting sanctions because I murdered another uh, would-be uh, a would-be a, a political opponent because – I think I'm going to slow down that, and they've done it before. I'm going to slow down the natural gas that's flown into your country. The hub is now in Germany. So Ukraine, again, Ukraine gets the short end of the stick. I thought Trump was the problem with Ukraine. No, it is Joe Biden's got the problem with Ukraine. The other thing I would would add to this, uh, too, in the big picture, Joe Biden wants that summit with Vladimir Putin. How do you do it? You go ahead, gave you the Nordstrom pipeline. I think we need Mm -hmm. to meet. He thinks that's going to be a positive. He thinks if Vladimir Putin's not going to steamroll him, especially now that you see how limited he is. And before we go, I want to do more to know. What is your take on the New York Times story that Friday when they talked to 24 uh, current and past Biden advisors about what it's like inside the Biden administration? And they say he's short-tempered, takes forever to make a decision, has to continue to look at all sides. Why do you think that got written, Martha? Why do you think he said to cooperate? One of the things that I think tells a lot is the switch in the headline from the original headline to the second headline. The first headline sort of made it sound like he was, you know, short tempered and kind of all over the place. The second headline called, you know, said deliberative, folksy Biden, deliberative leadership, you know. So clearly they got the phone call from the White House. We let you guys in here. We let you talk to everybody here. And this is the headline that you that you gave us. Right. I'm I'm imagining that that's the case. I don't know it for a fact, but we all know we've seen how these things work. Uh, so that headline change said a lot to me. I, I thought in many ways, you know, it, it it was a piece that made him sound very involved, very deliberative, very, you know, digging into all of the details. Now, you can talk about whether or not that's even the role of a president to get that that to be questioning people on on some of these details. But I think the idea was let the reporters in, give them this story, give them lots of access. And they're going to write a piece about how 
how granular his understanding is of policy. Yeah, that's the positive. You know what the negative is? Can't make a quick decision in an age in which no. you've got to make quick decisions. And that's the label. Made a quick decision on the Keystone Pipeline. Yeah. I wonder, I'd love to hear that deliberation well, they, process. They, they how did that already one go? Formed. The rest of the stuff, that was scripted. Yeah. What about the unscripted stuff? I, very yeah. slow on everything. He's slow on Israel. You might think he's being smart on Israel. He might just be very slow on Israel. He's like, why is everyone mounting up against me on the left? Why have they suddenly left the Israeli... Uh, point of view. Uh, Martha's going to stick around and find out if there's more to know. We'll find out what's going to be on her show at 3 o'clock. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. According to a new report, airlines could soon start weighing passengers before flights. Due to new federal requirements about weight load, passengers could be asked to disclose their weight or step on a scale before boarding the flights. I mean, that's not good news. I mean, this is going to be so embarrassing, particularly for me. Like, if, if they tell me my weight at the airport, I'm going to be like, no, that's actually not true. I don't weigh that much. I'm actually smuggling drugs. That's less embarrassing for me. I've got 35 pounds of cocaine in my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> that is a welcome back, everyone. Martha's still here. That is James Corden. I think He's it's time so to know funny. more about that. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. So was that based on a true story, Martha? That whole premise of that argument? Of that joke? getting weighed? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, they do have to take into account the weight on the plane, so... Right. You know. I believe the story's right in front of you. Uh, <laughs> it turns out the airline passengers may be required to step on the scale of the oh, airport yeah. regardless of the sampling method used. An operator has the option of surveying each passenger and bag aboard the craft and should give a passenger the right to decline to participate in any passenger or way survey. That according to the FAA. So they're going to do it. I guess they had some people move around the plane to distribute the weight. Yeah. Have they ever asked you to do that? Not yet. <laughs> Imagine if that would be a good Aww. joke. Next. Aww, yeah. You're up to reopen for travel, right? Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Ambassadors from EU's 27 member states backed a proposal to waive the quarantine for those coronavirus inoculations approved by its drug regulator, including Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson. So would you ever go to Europe? Of course I would. You would. I can't wait to go. I can't wait to travel again. To me, this is the best argument for getting vaccinated. If you want to travel and you want to go places, and that's going to be a requirement to me, it's just a no-brainer. I love to travel, and I can't wait to go places. Next, Shaquille O'Neal had something to say, even if you think it's funny and you don't believe him. Listen. I totally believe in UFOs. 1997, me and one of my good friends, Chris Flores, we were on a double date. The girl he married, her name is Melissa, her friend named Melissa. We were on a double date. We are coming from Hollywood Video in Madeira, California. And right when we passed the fairground, by this big open lot, I could have swear I saw a flying saucer come down with all the lights and it was spinning and it just <laughs> and took off. And everything happened in less than five seconds. And we all looked at each other and was like, and I know that it was a UFO. I don't care what anybody says. Do you believe him? 
Well, now uh, former President Obama says that there's evidence that there are unidentified flying objects that they can't figure out. We're getting all kinds of backing on that from the Pentagon. Uh, people coming forward on 60 Minutes talking about things that they have seen. So that sounds like a pretty that that's a pretty specific account. And uh, he saw a landing and everything. Right. So I think the evidence and the science, which we are you know so akin to follow, uh, seems to be backing up Shaq on this. Did you see 60 Minutes Sunday? Yeah. So in 60 minutes, they say this happened. These are mm-hmm. reputable people involved. Are you surprised we seem to have a lack of curiosity? Do you think behind the scenes there's a lot of curiosity? Like Dr. Fauci, they don't want to tell us the truth. I have an enormous amount of curiosity about this. And I thought it was interesting that one of the arguments that the woman, Lieutenant Commander, who is a pilot, said that she came forward because she wanted to speak out so that other people who've had these experiences will not be afraid that they're going to be called wacko. Watch Martha at 3. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.